The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Corollas, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Happy New Year. Hanukkah is over. Uh, <laughs> um, whatever you are celebrating, even if it is just being alive, uh, I hope that you are doing well. Um, I've been doing pretty well lately. Things have been, uh, they feel like they're moving in fast forward because I guess everybody thinks that the city is going to shut down, but I don't know. It's like some days I feel like it's going to, some days I don't. But uh, I've been working hard on a lot of things, teaching a lot. I just finished recording, uh, filming for Movement Headquarters. So I've actually been talking a lot and then talking through a mask on top of all that. um, I'm losing my voice a little bit. So if my my voice and my vowels sounds a little bit crackly right now, that is why. But all for good reasons. Um, what is new in the world with me? Um, exciting news. Movement Headquarters was featured in the Washington Post the other day. Um, wow, (laughs) that's crazy. My company has only been technically around since February. Um, I guess you would say early February, late January when we started rehearsing. So, um, even though the seed was planted before that, but yeah, movement headquarters was featured in an article in the Washington post about how the nutcracker was developed through innovation. Um, but it pretty much was shut down this year due to the pandemic, but companies have still found ways to, uh, put at least portions of the nutcracker out there. And we were featured, uh, because of what we're doing with our Patreon. So uh, that's pretty exciting and pretty cool. If you don't know what we're doing with our Patreon, um, I actually did our last uh, podcast episode on how Patreon can help people survive during this time, especially in the arts. Um, so if you want more information on that, you can check out that episode. But essentially, as we are developing an immersive nutcracker called Land of the Sweets to premiere in 2021, we're um, documenting our workshop of that. So um, I've already developed the party scene, the battle scene, the snow scene, and the hot chocolate scene. And we are posting posting that exclusive content on Patreon. You can head on over to www.patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash movement HQ um, and see what we're doing there. But we're uh, sharing little bits of our brand new score uh, it's being created by Alessandro Paganelli uh, currently in Berlin um, we're showing clips of choreography and then also exclusive behind the scenes content like interviews and whatnot so if you want to see what we're doing with that head on over there it's very exciting I never thought 
that in our first year as a company, we'd be featured in the Washington Post. But, you know, things happen. <laughs> um, so that was very exciting. What else? Um, oh, coming up in the new year, I believe it's on the 5th of January, whatever the first week of January is on that Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to run a five-week introduction to ballet uh, virtual workshop on Zoom. So it'll be on Tuesday evenings. I haven't said an exact time yet. Uh, I'll be doing that next couple of days. It'll probably be around like 6.30, 6.45 in the evenings. Um, but yeah, if you are if you are interested in learning ballet, whether you're, I don't know, 16 or 75, um, pretty much it will be 16 and up, I will be teaching ballet from scratch via Zoom. So you don't even have to leave your home. It's a great way to start the new year. It's a great resolution starter to to learn how to to dance. It's also a great way to get in shape, gives you a commitment. Also, if we are, if there are more people heading into lockdown, it might be a great opportunity for you to uh, give yourself something to distract yourself from that. So if you want more information about that, you can reach out to me on DM on my Instagram, bcorollis, or on Facebook. Um, Also, I will likely be running uh, Zoom beginner ballet classes on Fridays at 6.45 p.m. starting in the new year. Um, So if you want any information on that, you know how to get in touch with me. Uh, Other than that, if you're prepping for virtual college auditions or summer intensive auditions, I am available for coaching, choreography, and mentorship. So you can reach out to me if you would like to do that. I'm currently working with several students all across the United States um, that, I mean, I'm not saying that just the United States is, is my realm of possibilities, but, uh, I'm currently working with students that are locally, uh, all the way to, uh, the West coast. So, um, if you're interested, don't be shy, reach out. I, I have more time this year than I have ever had in my, uh, my post-performance career, my teaching and choreographic career. So if you, uh, it's it's a unique opportunity to work with me now. Um, once things open up, I feel like things are gonna like hit the ground running. So, um, yeah, don't be shy. All right. So, what am I gonna talk about this week? I I was it's funny. I was like thinking back, and I was gonna do one of like the like best hits of twenty twenty. What's twenty twenty been about? Because I know a lot of people think that twenty twenty has been awful, but I've actually had a it has been awful. But I also have uh, had a handful of really wonderful things happen this year. Um. I was looking, I always try to go through my previous episodes to make sure I'm not repeating content, or at least if I am, it's been a long time and it's updating content. Um, and I looked back and uh, a month ago, I posted why I'm grateful in 2020. It was a Thanksgiving episode, but um, essentially it was kind of like all the great things that happened in 2020 for me. So um, I am not going to do that. So I decided that I would do 10 wishes for all in 2021. And obviously, this is a a dance podcast. So I'm going to be talking about dance and culture and the arts. Um, But I I love to do these lists. I feel like they're streamlined and they're easy to digest. Um, So I'm going to share with you 10 wishes I have for all in 2021. And I hope that if you have any wishes that you'll share them with me as well. <laughs> All right. So number one, obviously, number one is like, duh. If I don't say this is number one, it's just, 
who am I? Do I live on earth? Um, so number one, obviously, is that COVID-19 will be conquered and that the performing arts will begin a roaring return to studios and stages around the world. As we know, 2020 has been a very difficult year for not only the world, but especially the performing arts in the United States, states, stages, um, in the United States, stages, that's why that happened. Got it. Sometimes I don't understand why I say things oddly. And then I read further on and I, I get it. Stages have been shut down across the country, um, mostly across the world. There have been, uh, several companies that have had performances. Many of them have had to shut down again. Um, but, uh, there have been practically no performances, uh, live performances on stages and theaters since March. Um, so now that we have this news of the vaccine and everything, um, and people are starting to get vaccinated, it, they're saying by June, we should be able to get as many people vaccinated in the United States as possible. Um, so hopefully we can start to return to our former ways of uh, seasons and performances and we can get back into the studios and rehearse and uh, get back in shape and improve and uh, just get the whole cycle of the performing arts going again. Um, I think it's been really interesting not having access to performances in the way that we have in the past. Um, Obviously, that's going to make us appreciate it more. Um, I specifically chose the word roaring when I first said it because uh, I think back to the roaring 20s in the 1900s after the Spanish flu pandemic hit. Um, and I'm hoping that we have a resurgence uh, in that way as well. Um, also, I think it's been very interesting. I've said this in the past that I kind of feel like the first two decades of the 2000s have been the dark ages. I feel like we've lived in fear. We had September 11th happen. We had the great recession. Um, Trump became president. We had this pandemic. And I feel that a lot of the, the art that has been created is very dark, very internal and very reflective. Um, I know for myself personally, have, having come from this, this age, I turned 18, uh, like, a month after September 11th, 2001. Um, so I'm very much like a, uh, a representative of this time. Um, I feel it, very a lot of difficulty making work uh, that is joyful and happy. Um, so I'm hoping that as we uh, conquer this pandemic, as we shift to a new administration in the United States, that a lot of the, the work that's created will reflect the joy that we uh, have as we come out of this time. And then also that the audiences that have been so hungry for live performances will not only purchase tickets, but will also donate to the arts, knowing how much we've suffered and knowing that there is a great possibility that many art many arts organizations will fail. Even if we come back, it's funny because you think, okay, we come back, everybody's going to be fine. But so many companies have lost so much revenue over the past year without any support from the government, um, aside from like several small PPP loans. Um, but I mean, we, we're also currently waiting to see what's going to happen with, happen with the stimulus deal that seems like it might not happen again. It's happening. It's not, it's happening. It's not, but, um, so many uh, 
there's been so little support for for these arts organizations. And when we go back, even if we fill the audiences to capacity, several arts organizations are still going to go under because the deficit that they have is probably going to be insurmountable. So I hope that beyond just this like roaring return to the studios and stages, I hope that there is uh, a deeply impactful uh, movement to help change the well a get get more funding to to companies but also to change how companies are funded in the United States because this nonprofit model it does not work people i am in the process of considering uh transitioning movement headquarters to a 501c3 this year and to be completely frank i mean this is what i do i'm candid i'm honest but to be completely frank i feel like the united states system of uh supporting the arts it forces us to be beggars. I feel like a beggar. I hate saying it, but, um, and I'm so grateful to all of those who have allowed movement headquarters to flourish in our first year, but we rely mostly on individual donors and, uh, to get grants, you have to fight to get grants. You have to use so much of your time to get grants. And, for the most part, most of these granting organizations aren't going to give you grants until you have a track record. So that either means that you're getting publicity um, or you uh, have three years of tax records. Um, it's really, really difficult to get both of those things. Three years of tax records means that you have to sustain yourself for three years off of individual donations. Um, to get publicity, it means that either you have to be a star or you have to somehow luck out or convince people to come. I reached out to the New York Times. I reached out to the New York Post. I reached out to so many different arts uh, supporting and reviewing organiz organizations for our company debut. And I, I'm not a star, but I have like at least a reputable name and track record. And only one organization, thank you, the dance enthusiast, came to see our performance and review us. How can I get a track record when nobody will even respond to my emails um, to come see our shows. So the, the funding system in the United States is broken and it has it is set up to make dance companies beg their their in their friends, their family, and their connections to help them realize their dream. Now let me talk about the other side of that. Oh, I got real sidetracked here, people. You got me a little heated. But um, the other side here is of course, you want people who have uh, you want people that have good ideas, that have good business practices, and that have a track record who can actually like follow through um, to create their work. Uh, like not just I, I I've known a handful of people that they're like I, I'm going to make this thing, but they don't really have the understanding of what it means to run a business, to uh, put on a show and follow through. Uh, I am not one of those people, but uh, there there needs to be a better system set in place. And I hope that um, beyond individuals wanting to donate to companies to keep them afloat and to move to the next stage of development, I hope that uh, we'll also look at restructuring um, the way that we as a country support the arts. And that's not just dance. That's many different art forms that require a 501c3 in order for you to exist. <sighs> That first wish was a long one. I don't think the other ones are going to be as long. Um, number two, 
I, I wish that the world will begin to recognize how integral the arts have been in helping people survive the trauma and isolation of the pandemic. Uh, I've talked about this in other podcasts this year, and I've even talked about it in the past, obviously not relating to this pandemic. But um, if we took away television shows, if we took away movies, if we took away Pandora and radio, and uh, we don't really do CDs that much anymore, um, musical recordings, if we uh, took away art museums and uh marketing for ads and all of those things, what would the world be? So many people have relied on the arts to get through this pandemic, not only emotionally, but to like waste time um, so that they didn't go crazy sitting at home, um, to lift their spirits. Uh, so many people have relied on on the arts and they take it for granted because in so many capacities, arts, the arts are given to people for free. And the reason for that is, okay, not completely free, but it's like if you think of the radio, um, you don't pay for the art. The ads that people want to get to you, that they want to market to you, pay for that art. Excuse me. Um, if you think about Hulu, Hulu, you pay for the streaming service, but then you have to watch ads. So you're not really paying for... Uh, the art, you're paying for the platform that delivers you the art. And the way they do that is ads. Um, if you think about YouTube now, YouTube wasn't like this at the beginning, but now you watch this art that people are giving to you and they make money because of ads. Um, it's all set up in that way. So people don't recognize that how much goes into creating art? I am currently in the the process of developing this immersive nutcracker. And I mean, I don't have an exact number now because I haven't done my taxes yet um, for the company. But we have probably raised something like $15,000. Is that correct? At least $10,000 to workshop this land of the suites that we're doing. And we've done four rooms, um, and that's just choreography and starting to like cultivate different immersive ideas. But like most of it, we haven't purchased the equipment, we haven't purchased the costumes, we we are we have paid for the music. So um, with all of those things, I honestly think we'll maybe be able to workshop most of the rooms choreographically. Um, we're going to need a lot more money coming into the new year to actually get beyond just choreography and music to get a venue to get costumes to get props to get a, a other artists involved to collaborate in the immersive elements and so much more um these productions are not cheap and the amount that you can make back on them is not the same it's probably the same with so many different other art forms i don't want to speak for them because i don't know i i'm not involved but uh i don't think the world recognizes how much it costs to put on art, how little support we have, and then also how integral the arts are to their existence. And that has been more relevant this year than it has ever been because we have been isolated. We have not been connecting with others. So we've been connecting to art more than ever. Um, so I really just wish that the, the world will recognize how integral we are um, to people's lives. And then that will help to validate so many other things that the government needs to take care of us, um, that we deserve 
the same recognition that sports teams do. Um, obviously, entertainment in, in Los Angeles, Hollywood, uh, they are supported on an immense scale. Um, it would be nice if we could like balance that scale out and, and appreciate other art forms beyond that. Number three, uh, with the new administration coming into the White House, I hope that we can focus on building the arts back up versus tearing down pathways to support and fund our sector in ways that validate the value and importance of arts and culture in our country and society. Um, again, this is a, a parallel to the what I was just saying, so I'm not going to go on too long about this, but the 501c3 structure, it's, it doesn't work. It sets up companies to be beggars. And I hope that uh, this administration will validate what we have to offer. Um, we've been very lucky, actually, the past four years. Uh, President Trump and uh, a handful of conservatives had try, have tried to uh, make supporting the arts much more difficult. They've tried to take away funding from the uh, National Endowment for the Arts um, and I believe the National Endowment for Humanities, and they failed. They actually increased funding slightly. Um, so we we're really lucky with that. But one thing that really has affected the arts over the past four years is that um, in the process of trying to uh, do taxes the way that the conservatives wanted to, they've actually made it less uh, opportunistic for people to donate to nonprofit organizations. So it's, we're already begging. We're already having difficulties getting funding through, funding through the government and through grants. And then what the Trump administration did was they made it less, uh, they made, they made the, the cap for like the benefits you get for donating to the arts lower so that you don't get as many tax benefits. Um, so therefore, maybe, and I don't know exactly what this is, don't don't uh, quote me on this exact term, but it would be like, if you make $500,000 a year and you could donate up to $20,000 a year and get a tax deduction for that, um, I think they lowered it to like 10,000. That's not exact, but that's essentially how it works. So I'm really hoping that this new administration coming to the White House will, will pull more focus towards government support of the arts and not just through grants that are uh, you have to fight for, but actually like giving direct funds to arts organizations and supporting them in the same way that the European model is set up to do. Um, the European model, they, they do obviously rely on individual donations to a degree, but um, they are directly supported by the government. Um, you don't have to apply for grants in the same way. They will support those organizations. And I would love to see something like that happen in the United States. I mean, the United States is born from European rule. I wish that we would take uh, a look at them and, and look at their history and say, okay, we are a younger nation. What have they done right? What have they done wrong? And I do believe that supporting arts and culture is something that the that Europeans have done right. And we need to follow that. Fourth, my wishes for 2021. Um, 
I, I also, and this is like kind of leaning back into the administration changing, I, I, I hope that we can rebuild the cultural exchange of artists that was much easier prior to the, to the Trump administration coming into office. Uh, I, I'm trying not, I, I try not to be too political, but it's impossible at sometimes. This is a fact. The Trump administration has, for the past four years, attacked immigrants and non-American workers. Um, and whether that means like illegal immigrants or people who are hoping to come to the United States, um, I, it, it's, it, it, it's the same. Um, I have written letters as, as an educator, and as a director and a choreographer, I have written several letters over the past four years for dancers to get O-1 visas. Um, so oh, an O-1 visa is supposed to go to somebody with an extraordinary uh, talent or an extraordinary uh, ability that they can uh, offer in the United States. And yes, I do think that Americans should get uh, priority for American jobs. Uh, don't get me wrong. But in the process of trying to uh, keep people from immigrating to the United States, make it more difficult, it's become that much more difficult for artists to come to the United States to work or to perform in galas and all all of those types of situations. Um, out of the Owen visas that I wrote, uh, two of them got their Owen visas, and I think two or three of them got denied. Um, and whether they deserved it or not uh, to the government, that, that's obviously not for me to, to decide. But I do know that on a lower level up to a higher level, it has become so much harder for artists to come to the United States and to share their work with us. And that is a damn shame. Um, the arts translate worldwide. You can look at a, 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 a painting done by a painter that doesn't speak your language and you can understand something about them. You can enter a dance studio in Japan, a ballet studio in Japan, and take class there if you understand the fundamentals of ballet. Um, you can watch a movie about a different culture and, and understand that we may, be, may have differences in culture, but we are still the same at the core as human beings. So I really hope that the new administration coming in looks at how different cultures uh, and different arts and different cultures and different artists and different cultures can actually benefit us as Americans. So I, I really, really hope that they, they take another look at how we are uh, exchanging culturally uh, and artistically across the world, and that they see that not as a threat to American culture, but as something that enhances our culture, something that improves us as people, and that opens our eyes to the fact that, yes, we are a great nation, but there are many other great nations and cultures around the world as well. Steps off soapbox. soapbox. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, getting back on. Uh, number five wishes that I have for the 2021 New Year. Um, I, I, I hope that with all that we have learned this year about inequities in the world, um, but specifically in dance, that we actually hunker down and do the work. Um, it's so common that when something becomes relevant, that everybody jumps on their soapbox and they 
throw their fists in the air and they point their fingers and wag them back and forth and uh, tell people like, this is right. You're not, you're not, you're doing the wrong thing. We need to uh, make sure that we have uh, equal representation of all races and all uh, cultures in the United States because we are a melting pot and that's what we are founded on. Um, I that we need to make sure that we're uh, we have people of color in uh, administrations, um, not just and not just like a token dancer in a company. Um, we we tend to. Where is Barry going with this? I feel like my caffeine just depleted and my brain stopped working. With all of the awareness we've gained this year and all of the people on social media putting a black box on their Instagram or sharing other uh, other people's uh, posts and, and trying to point, make pointed uh, and poignant points. Did you get that? Pointed and poignant points. Let's create alliteration right there. Um, I, I hope that we actually do the work. Um, I feel like 2020 was, whoa, it was just out of control in so many different ways. Um, and it was easy to get caught up in the moments of what was happening this year. But as it feels like we've all been able to take collective breaths in multiple different areas, whether it's vaccines or uh, changing administrations or feeling like there's true forward momentum in uh, race relations in our country, um, I hope that we actually enforce that work and that we respect each other in that process, um, but that it wasn't just a moment, but it is a movement. Um, so that's one thing I, I really do hope that we uh, we can put in the work and enact change um, and that in 20 years, we can look back on 2020 and <laughs> I'm like doing really well with alliteration right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in 20 years, we can look back at 2020 and be like, that year sucked. It was awful, but so many great things came out of that. And we actually see like the lineage from now until then. Um, and that we do live in a more equitable world that, uh, is truly representative of the people that live in our country and the people that came to our country hundreds of years ago with a vision that we would have this type of country and that we would support one another through that. So yeah, let's let's make sure that we actually work and that we don't just talk and post on social media. Um, that's a good first step. So it's time to get to steps 23 through 220. All right. See, I did it again. <laughs> All right. I'm like cracking myself up over here. You're probably rolling your eyes, but okay. So we're halfway done. Let's move on. So I don't completely lose my voice. In 2021, I wish that people will stop complaining about the representation of dance in television and film. It started with So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, I've told this story before. This is years ago. Um, somebody tried to like get in a fight with me because I thought I told them that I thought that that uh, So You Think You Can Dance was a great tool. Because whether people, whether it was highbrow or lowbrow art, it at least like put dance in the front of people's minds and not like way, way, way in the back. This year, people complained that cuties sexualized children. I just watched it. I thought that it was an interesting movie. It wasn't one of my favorite ones, but I thought that if you actually like look at the point of the movie, um, 
it, it made a valid point. Uh, but anyway, not to get too caught up on that. Tiny Pretty Things depicted ballet in the wrong light, like every ballet movie or television show. Um, I even heard on point that new ballet uh, documentary that follows uh, alma mater, School of American Ballet students. Um, it didn't show enough of the competitive competitiveness of striving for a career in ballet. Yo, people, anytime that dance is on television or a movie screen, it reminds the world that dance exists, that it is a valid career, that it is important, that it is interesting, that it is valuable, and that it deserves attention. I wish that instead of critiquing every depiction of dance on screen, small and large, that we would just appreciate that our art form is getting the deserved attention that it that <laughs> we ask for. And that it will pique interest in kids to, to take classes and adults to go see live performances and for teens to look for more dance content online uh, because our art form cannot continue. It cannot grow. It cannot become we, like we cannot get paid like Hollywood stars. We, we have theaters that aren't like in the red every single year. The only way we can do that is by continuing to be relevant enough that people want to share our art form on television, on in, on in movies, um, in many different ways. It's so important, and that's the challenge of dance. Dance is accessible to anybody, but like trained dance is not as accessible, and. Why do we turn our noses on those who don't yet understand the joy and the beauty and importance of trained, uh, trained art and trained dance and, and go, oh my God, that's so trashy or I can't believe they did that or that's not exactly how it was depicted. Hey, at least they're paying attention. It's like Black Swan. When Black Swan came out, people said like that was a horrible representation of the dance world. It was a story. All right. It was a story. And you know what? That movie is part of the reason that dance is so popular in pop culture today. I'm grateful for it. And I liked the movie because I didn't look at it as like, this is bastardizing the ballet world. I saw it as like, I, thank God we're finally showing ballet on film and they're using high quality ballet dancers minus, I mean, obviously Natalie Portman was kind of like, going through the motions of being a trained professional. Um, I mean, she had, I thought she did a great job performing and doing her, doing her job as an actress, but they had a, a, a double, a, a body double for her. That's what I'm trying to say. But why can't we just be like, oh my God, our world is so important that people want to depict and tell stories about it. And then obviously if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't. But don't sit here and try to like, tear it down so that people just get sick and tired of it getting torn down and then they don't want to actually depict it on film or television or in different media formats again. So yeah. Wow. I didn't realize this was going to be so soapboxy guys, but you know, I got wishes and dreams and I want, I really truly like, I just want people to see dance for what it is. I want us to be appreciated in the same way that movie stars are appreciated um, and football stars and basketball stars and baseball stars um, and like TV directors. Like I just wanted to be like that. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. Okay, number seven, easy. I wish that travel will open up and that we will get to travel for dance training and performances 
and collaborations and artistic enrichment again. Um, I want to share ideas with people off of a screen. I'm so grateful that we live in a time where we can still connect with one another on a screen. I don't know how people got through the 1920 or the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, um, but I like we're so lucky for that. But I cannot wait to travel again and connect with people in person again. When that day comes, it's going to be magical. Um, and I may shed a, a tear or two or three or 20. See, there's that 20. It's back again. Maybe 21. All right. Speaking of 20s, number eight, 2020 has been a year of extreme cancel culture and overt criticism of political correctness and woke culture. I feel it's important that we don't try to be so politically correct that the dance world stops doing what it does telling stories of others uh, and opening the minds of others and posing important questions. I don't believe that the only people who can tell stories are the people who those stories belong to. I do think that if you are going to tell a story about somebody else, you have to do your research, but I don't think that it, uh, that the ownership is specifically to that one person. I, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. And while I do believe there are certain lines, for instance, a man should be able to tell a woman's story or a woman should be able to tell a man's story. Uh, an example of this would be, um, this is not uh, recent. It happened, I think, last, 2019. But I applied for a grant for one of the works that premiered at my company's debut. Um, and the the piece that was right, A Modern Ritual, was to the right of spring. It was about uh, a modern-day New York woman uh coming into her sexuality. Uh, and the response was that I shouldn't be telling the story of a woman coming to her sexuality because I am a man. Um, it's a very complicated conversation that I maybe I'll have to do an entire podcast on because it would take me a long time to do it. Um, but uh, art is an expression. And if we over-politically correct things we lose the ability to express ourselves. I mean, it's kind of like if you think, okay, let me let me put this in lay terms. If I read the story of um, Sleeping Beauty, okay, I didn't live in Europe. I wasn't around in the 1800s. I, I, I currently, if you think about some of the, is it the word tropes? I think it's tropes in there. They're dated. Um, it's a story about a woman, but in the end, it's a woman being saved by a man. Um, there's so many different directions to go that I, like it, it makes me go, should I in the future even consider telling that story? Um, and yes, I should. Um it's been retold by many, many people. Um, and at this point, nobody was around when that story was written. Um, yes, some of the, the tropes are dated. I apologize if that's not the right word. Um, but it's, it's just do your research. Don't be afraid to offend, but don't be offensive. So it's that idea like, it's okay if you make a mistake and you can learn from that. And if somebody goes, oh, you should have really taken this into consideration. A great example of that would be uh, like Chinese and the Nutcracker um, with the final bow for Yellowface. Um, 
that the Phil Chan has been going around the country, um, working with different things. Also, I think internationally, um, with things like yellowface, blackface, and just updating, uh, cultural misrepresentations on the stage. Um, he's not going places and calling people out. He's going there. He's starting a conversation. He's educating them. And then they're slowly making changes. That's how things should work. Um, but to over, over, uh, political correct people to claim woke culture um, and then to want to cancel somebody because they made a mistake. I just wish we could be done with cancel culture. Um, if I mean, I feel like I've led a pretty good life, but there are things that I've done that were probably not correct. Um, and I hope that if any of those things, I mean, like I can't think of them right now, but if any of them were to be exposed, I hope that people would like say, you shouldn't have done that. This is how you can do better as opposed to like, you're fired from all of your jobs, which hasn't happened, but, um, I hope it doesn't, but yeah, I'm so over cancel culture. Um, it's like the old times when, uh, the village, everybody would convene in like the community center or the church, they'd get their pitchforks and their burning torches and they'd go to somebody's house and like, shame them. So none of that people, because someday that, that will be you. If we all, if everybody lives in that, in that way, one day it will be you. So let's stop that. Okay. Numero number nine. Uh, I wish that many of the artists who chose to hang up their dance shoes reconsider their decision. Once things begin to open up again, I get it. I totally understand. So many dance careers have been lost this past year due to financial distress uh, depression from the shutdown on, of the performing arts, insecurity about the future of our sector, and so much more. I hope that as the sun comes back over the horizon of the of our art form and word starts to spread that dance is returning to both studios and stages uh, as we hopefully come to the end of this pandemic, that artists will see the light again and they will step back into the studio and immerse themselves back into the art form. If you think about like so many uh, singing artists, there's so many that are like, I'm retiring and then they come out of retirement and then they continue their career. I'm hoping that that is what happens to so many uh, dancers and that they will find their love and passion and joy and be able to share their gifts and talents with us again. Um, I said at the beginning of the pandemic, a bunch of people are going to start retiring. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that so many of us artists are always on the verge of financial disaster. We're constantly fighting tooth and nail for that next job or that next opportunity. And if you just get struck down at that wrong moment, it can it can be the end for many artists. So I'm hoping that once they've had this time to like really enrich themselves in other areas of their lives, that they'll find their way back to dance and they'll be able to actually use what they've cultivated within themselves outside of dance to their benefit. And that they'll be more well, they'll be better, well, more well-rounded artists and they'll have more to give. Um, and that maybe even their careers will be longer because of it. So I really do hope that many of the artists who, who left our field in the past year, in 2020, that sometime in 2021, they'll find themselves coming back. Um, and even if they don't come back to the stage, that they'll come back to us in some way uh, or another that they can help us and they can help drive the art form forward. Number 10, I think you know what number 10 is. Number 10 is a given. My, this is probably my number one wish for everybody. And I end every single email that I write with this. Um, in 2021, I wish that all of you will have good health. 
I hope that you will, and when I say good health, I, I say not just like good physical health, but also mental health. I hope that you will come out of 2020 stronger. I think I hope that you will come out of 2020 having spent more time with yourself than you will ever spend with yourself again. And But at the same time, you will learn that you love yourself and that you like yourself and that you like everything about yourself and even the things that you don't love about yourself, that you still like that they are a part of you. And I hope that you will be uh, a better person for that and you will understand yourself more. I went through a very difficult period when I transitioned from my freelance career into this area of my career. And um, during those four years that I traveled as a freelancer, um, and then those two years that I super commuted from Philadelphia to New York, I spent so much time alone. And it was hard because I'm an outgoing person and I'm not used, I wasn't used to being with me. And I was, this year, I have been so grateful that I had that time because I've been able to impart my wisdom to others and to help guide other people through this experience of self and self-discovery and self-isolation. Because I've done it, I know what it's like. Obviously, it was in a bit of a different way. Um, But I felt very alone during those years. And I, I, I learned during that time that I like myself and that I... Yes, I need other people in my life, but I can survive with just me. Um, so I hope that all of you that have struggled through this year, uh, that as we go into 21, 2021, you'll be able to use that to your benefit. And then, of course, I, I just I hope that we all can remain physically healthy until we can get to that point where we don't have to worry about if we sanitize our hands after we... Uh, paid for our groceries, if uh, that person on public transport sat too close to us when they coughed, that when you went into that dance studio and you took that class, that you don't feel guilty for taking that class because you might have gone sick or if you were, were sick and you didn't know it, that you got somebody else sick, that if you gave a hug to somebody who was crying, that you weren't putting yourself at risk. I, I just wish that we all have health next year. Um, and I do believe that we will have that. So yeah, that's a, that's it. The next podcast is going to happen in 2021. And I so look forward to seeing what 2021 brings our art form. Um, it's going to be a hard couple of months coming up and we're going to, we're going to shed some more tears. I, I, I don't, doubt that. And even as things start to open up, we're going to shed more tears, some tears of joy, but also tears of loss as we see other organizations fail. So I hope that you are ready to be a part of those organizations, that you're ready to hold those organizations up, that you're ready to put your pocketbook on the line and donate to to companies and that you're willing to support artists who are on the verge of not being able to pay their rent, not being able to eat, not being able to pay their bills. Um, and as I finish this podcast one last time, um, I, <laughs> I have one more thing to say. Um, there's a grant called the Rauschenberg Emergency Grant with the New York, uh, you can find it on NYFA.org. It's the New York, uh, New York Foundation for the Arts. Um, they're giving $5,000 emergency grants to anybody who since May has suffered from, uh, 
COVID uh, or even medical, mental health or dental emergency bills. Um, so if you had an emergency related to all these things and you can't afford your bills, check them out. I think it's nationally, but it might just be in our tri-state area. But either way, check them out, find those resources. All right, guys, so I wish you good health. Please support the arts. Happy 2021. Uh, thank you all so much for all that you've done for me this year. I have felt so much support from my community and I am so grateful for that. So with that, I bid you adieu and I will talk to you in 2021. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pot of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for a podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. If you'd like to learn more about my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, you can head to www.movementhqballet.org. And if you'd like to learn more about our Patreon, head to www.patreon.com forward slash movementhq. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also check out Movement Headquarters on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've blogged for five years about working as a freelance artist touring the country. And I also have Dancing Off Stage, where I talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have YouTube channels where you can check out my choreography. You can head on over to youtube.com and go to the search panel and type in Beak Rollis or Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday in 2021 to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.